This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's been a while since Uber was at the top of our agenda, but now legal action is putting it back in the headlines. Employment lawyer Lior Samfiro is hoping to launch a class action suit which seeks to prove that Uber drivers are employees of the company and not contractors, and therefore entitled to minimum wage, overtime, and vacation pay. He's also looking for $200 million in damages. If certified, the suit could cover about 20,000 Uber drivers across the province. So far, no official response from Uber. You know, a lot of our listeners have a lot of opinions on Uber. Do you think this might be a good way to make them play fair? The numbers 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Right now, let's get the details from Lior Samfiro. Hello. Hi, Libby. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for being on. So what made you launch this action? Well, back in the the fall, uh, Libby, Uber had changed the compensation structure for many of its drivers, effectively reducing it uh, substantially by more than 30 or 40 percent, literally overnight. And obviously, as you can imagine, this made a lot of them quite uh, upset, quite angry. They felt that the rug was being pulled from under them. And they were contacted, or they contacted me, I should say, for some advice. And ultimately what I said to them is that the only way you have recourse, the only way you can prevent this from happening is if the law would recognize you as being employees. Because if you're not employees, if you truly are independent contractors, the company can do whatever it wants. It becomes almost a, a, a lawless society in the sense that the law does not interfere with that relationship. And as I looked more into this arrangement that they have and realized that Uber has all the control, uh, they make all the decisions, there's no ability to do anything by the driver other than decide when they're going to be on the road, and even then they're dependent on Uber for, to actually send them rides, I realized that the law would really consider them employees, and that was the uh, genesis of this class action. Now, uh, Uber uh, hasn't responded yet. Uh, They have said in the past that one of the things that their drivers like the most about the situation is that they can set their own hours, and hence that makes them independent contractors. And certainly that is a factor that on its own absolutely does not make one uh, an independent contractor. There's a number of factors. Now, but even dealing with this specific uh, uh, comment that Uber has said, uh, the fact that people can set their own hours, first of all, is not different than many part-time jobs when someone may provide their employer with their availability and they get scheduled accordingly. But the fact that you decide, I'm going to go and drive on Wednesday at 2 p.m., does not mean anything because you're still dependent on Uber to actually send you and give you rides during that period of time. Uber decides who gets the rides. Uber can even penalize individuals that in the past had not been available but by not sending them rides. 
So it is somewhat misleading for Uber to say that the individuals have control over that. That control is limited, uh, and it certainly, in our view, does not make them independent contractors. Uh, could they be considered something like a, a franchisee where head office decides everything, uh, but they are independent owners and they can actually be stripped of that if they don't follow the rules? Yeah, it, it, the, the reason why that probably wouldn't be the case is because, first of all, there's no franchisee, franchisor agreement in this situation. And these individuals really are not in business for themselves. They're not professional drivers. They, they simply uh, provide a service for Uber clients uh, under Uber's rules and Uber deciding everything. Now, a franchisee also has the ability to, uh, to negotiate terms with the franchisor there's no such ability here. There really, really isn't. Uh, it, it's effectively Uber's way or the highway, quite literally, I guess. And that is all that, that Uber stands for, and, and, and Uber changes those terms. And here's something very interesting that I don't know if, if, if uh, your listeners realize. Uber has a term in its agreement with the, the drivers that if there's ever a dispute, maybe we've underpaid you by $50 for, for yesterday's work, the only mechanism you have, driver, to resolve this dispute is by filing for an arbitration in the Netherlands. Oh, wow. And as you can appreciate, Libby, the, the net effect of that is certainly Uber can do whatever it wants because no driver is going to take them to the Netherlands to, to dispute something that's owed to them, which is why I said it essentially becomes a lawless society because if Uber does whatever it wants without repercussions, well, what does that mean for its drivers? Whereas if they're employees, one of the fundamental rights that an employee has here in Ontario and in Canada is to have any dispute adjudicated by the Ministry of Labor, by the courts in Ontario, and that is one of the rights we're fighting for for these drivers. Now, there have been a number of similar lawsuits launched in other jurisdictions. What can you tell us about those? So there's been a number of class actions filed in the U.S. Uh, None of the class actions have actually made it all the way to court. They're in various stages of litigation. Uber did settle one class action for a large sum of, a, or try to settle, I should say, of $100 million, and that was actually rejected by the court as being inadequate and insufficient. And when, now, when was, where was that? That was, uh, that was last year. That was in 2016. But what's interesting also is that even though class actions have yet to be decided by a judge, there have been other tribunals in the U.S., in the UK, even in Switzerland, individual tribunals that found that, in, uh, that drivers have or are employees rather than independent contractors. So this is an issue that Uber has faced in all its jurisdictions. And I'll say to you that if someone is an employee in the U.S., here in Ontario, where the laws are far more favorable to the individual, they're much more likely to be an employee uh, as well. Uh, there's another thing that I haven't seen reported much on, but but if it is decided, if it would be decided that people are employees, doesn't that give Uber a whole pile of tax liability? Uh, yeah, it, it certainly does, and and it really means that they would have to change their their business model. That they cannot continue operating, and the reason why they they are operating in this way, the reason why. They, they are classifying, or I say misclassifying individuals as independent contractors. It's because it's cheaper and it's easier. 
But if that was a good enough reason, as you can imagine, maybe no one would ever hire employees. Everyone would hire independent contractors at your manufacturing facilities, at your restaurants, at your hospitals. Why would anyone ever hire an employee in that situation? The law is smarter than that. And if it looks like an employee and acts like an employee, then it's an employee. And But your comment is completely right. There's tax liability potential, potentially. There's obligations to pay individuals, things such as vacation pay, overtime pay, termination pay. Uh, but the fact that that may be difficult should not extinguish the rights of these individuals. Okay, uh, just to clarify, uh, it's a tax liability because if someone is a contractor, they pay less tax than if they were an employee and, and the employer would be responsible for withholding that tax. Yes, the employer has to withhold and remit taxes. And you know, certainly the, the CRA looks very uh, unfavorably, let's put it that way, at an employer that does not do that when it should be doing that. Uh, how do you think, I mean, this is, you know, people argue this is the, the new economy, the sharing economy. And, uh, you know, so here is a company that does not own a single car, but it's, uh, it, 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 it's a driving company. It's a, it's a ride sharing company. Uh, how have they uh, gotten, a, you know, been able to um, operate in this way? Or, and is this just an instance of the law not catching up to the new reality? Well, I, I don't even know that it's that because this really is not an Uber problem. I mean, this is a lawsuit against Uber, and that's why we're talking about Uber. But this is not an Uber problem. This is a much wider issue. And, and I'm an employment lawyer, and in my practice, I deal daily, literally daily, with people at, working for other companies that have been called independent contractors, and they're not really. I've had someone that worked for a company for 28 years, 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, and classified as an independent contractor. Clearly, they're not. And employers do that because, as I said, it's, it's, it's easier, it's cheaper. They don't have to put someone on a payroll. They don't have to worry about pesky things such as employment laws. Uh, and, and I don't think it's any different in the sharing economy. The laws are there to, to distinguish and establish who should have the protections of the law. Uh, and I think the analysis based on you know, control and, and who directs the, the work uh, and do the individuals have a real chance of profit or, or, or risk of loss, the law would apply the same in the sharing economy. Uh, and for these types of uh, ride-sharing services. Okay, I'm going to give the numbers out again in case our listeners have comments or questions because Uber has been a subject of great contention. Uh, So, people, do you think that a lawsuit like this might deter Uber? Do you think it might make things fairer uh, in the competition between Uber and the taxi industry? Do you think it's a good idea or a bad idea? The number's 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. I'm on the line with Lior Semfiru, who is hoping to get this legal action certified, and if it is certified, it could cover up to 20,000 Uber drivers in the province. Uh, Lior, so what is the mechanism there? How long is this going to take? So, uh, as you said, the the next step really is for Uber to formally respond and, and defend the, the lawsuit. This is an, a, law, a new lawsuit, so they have not yet done that. They would be doing that in the coming weeks. Uh, and then the, the matter has to go in front of a judge who will decide 
whether this should be certified. In other words, whether it is appropriate for this dispute to be resolved by way of one large class action, or would it be better for it to be by way of numerous smaller individual actions. Uh, these types of class actions dealing with uh, whether someone is an employee or contractor have been certified before numerous times, so we're quite confident that that would happen here as well. In terms of timing, it, it is difficult to say. I would expect in the second half of this year, hopefully, uh, we could be in the position where a judge could make that decision. Uh, sometimes these things take a life of their own and, and may take longer, but that is the general process. And if it does get certified, then at some point they may get in front of a judge who will actually decide whether these individuals were employees, contractors, and what they are owed. Okay, let's take a call from uh, Frank in Downsview. Hi, Frank. Hi, Libby. How are you? Nice hearing you again. Uh, listen, uh, Libby, I, I'm glad somebody finally stood up to, uh, against Libby, uh, you know, Uber. Uh, I always take a taxi. This way I feel more secure and more comfortable. Uh, you know, I know the, the company will, uh, you know, uh, hire people that are checked out and stuff like that. And uh, for some reason or other, uh, you feel safer with a taxi, I think, anyway. Okay, yes. And do you think it's unfair the way Uber operates, the way they oh, compete? Uh, oh, naturally, yes, I do. That's unfair. Not only, not only to, the, to the driver, also to the public. Because there's no insurance whatsoever. Oh, there, there is. There, some of the rules have been changed. Yes, some of the rules have been changed. But, boy, you go, she's going to have a hard time getting any money. And they can tie you up in court for, for years. That's, that's a very good pr- uh, point, Frank. Thanks for your call. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Uh, so, Lior, uh, Frank made the point that uh, Uber can tie. I mean, they have uh, hugely deep pockets. I mean, even if this is certified, uh, I'm sure you're expecting a very big fight. Yes, and, and class actions in general, certainly this one in particular, uh, is not a, a quick uh, matter. It's not going to be resolved quickly, and I fully expect them uh, to, to oppose this and fight this because the very way of uh, the very way that they operate their business is at issue here. Uh, but I think they're now having faced these issues across the world. So this is not just a Canadian thing. It's not even just a North American thing. I think they're well aware of, of the issues with their model, uh, how they choose to deal with it, yet remains to be seen. But it's not. we're not going to be having a discussion a month from now where this is resolved. That's very unlikely. Uh-huh. And, and if it's not certified as a class action suit, is it your feeling that, uh, that there will be lots of little suits? And wouldn't that be more difficult in a way to pursue if, if it's just between, you know, Joe Bloggs' driver? Yeah, and that's why I think it has to be certified, simply because it makes no sense for an individual driver who individually may be owed nominal amounts, maybe they're owed some vacation pay, to start legal action against Uber. Uh, and and for, it simply is not workable. That's why class actions are for where the individual entitlements may not be great, but collectively there are significant entitlements. And given the fact that it's the same issue for all of them, are you an employee or are you a contractor, I think this is a, 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 an ideal matter, if you will, for a class action, and, and, and I'm quite confident that it will be certified when the time comes. Okay, uh, let's take a, another few calls. We've got David in Toronto. Hello, David. Hello. Hello, you're on the air. Hello. Go ahead. Uh-huh. 
Hello? Uh, yes, you're on the air. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I had a situation because I was a dependent contractor as a limousine driver. And I sort of went after the company um, for vacation pay, and I got it. And how did you go after the company? Well, my tests were, first of all, they were giving me a T4, not a T4A. That's an employee. Secondly, I got, um, I got um, EI um, after I was terminated, wrongfully. Um, and I can't recall what the third uh, test I had to be an employee, but definitely the adjudicator um, sided with me and asked me why I didn't go after wrongful dismissal. I said, well, it's better to prove that I'm an employee. Then I can go after wrongful dismissal. Okay, well, there you go. David, thank you very much for sharing your story. Okay. Well, oh, bye-bye. I hope it helps out a bit. Okay, thanks a lot. Uh, let's go to Cheryl in Thornhill. Hi, Cheryl. Hi there. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Um, good I'm, afternoon. Sorry. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Good afternoon. My husband's not up yet. <laughs> um, my question is, first of all, I didn't use Uber at all. I didn't feel, I didn't trust it really. But my daughter uses it all the time, so she encouraged us. And we used it about four times for the Uber pool. But then on New Year's Eve, we used UberX. And this young man was so rude. And what he kept saying was it was his personal property, his car, and he could kick us out at any time. Well, if they become an employee, does that remain the same? Uh, it's a good question. And uh, Libby, if I may, uh, certainly to the extent that the car is their, their personal property, and then it's not uncommon at all for an employee to use uh, their tool, their own tools to do, to do the job, if you will. Strictly speaking, yes, they, they, they could uh, tell someone to leave, but uh, I would expect in that case there may be repercussions from the employer if they didn't do so properly, if they didn't follow the employer's policies, etc. And I can tell you right now that Uber already has policies in terms of what an individual can and cannot do with respect to the people riding in their vehicle, and, and it would be unacceptable to Uber, I, I would say, now and, and certainly in the future, if someone just unilaterally and arbitrarily decided to, as you say, kick someone off the vehicle, uh, that would be considered unacceptable. Well, we went a very short distance, but because I wanted to have wine on New Year's Eve, and I'm the only one that drives, we took UberX. I'd never done UberX before, and I won't use them again. And it was a very short distance. It was just from Royal Orchard Boulevard to John and Bayview. And we go to this restaurant all the time. My husband's 83. We couldn't get the seat belts done up in the back seat. We were having trouble finding them because it was so dark. He turned the light on at one point, and I got mine done up, but then he turned it off again. And my husband, he's had eye surgery as well. He was having problems. I was trying to help him. And as we turned on to John Street, I said to him, you know, it would help if you'd turn on the light. And he said, I already turned it on for you. And I said, boy, your attitude, you know, you're not going to get many stars. And that's when he said, I can pull over and kick you out of my car right now because it's my personal property. Okay, well, Cheryl, uh, uh, you... It uh, was a long time to figure out how to get through to the company to get it resolved. Oh, don't even... To, to, to get through to the company, that's a whole other thing. But you vote with your feet. You uh, don't give the guy any stars and don't go back. Right, but he'd already had our money, yet he was going to kick us out. Well, I did finally get a hold of them after two days. 
and we're supposed to get a, a complete refund. But the whole issue, uh, he just, uh, you know, and he, he, he physically pulled my husband out of the car and left him standing in the middle of the road. Well, he shouldn't have done that. Of course not. Okay, Cheryl, thanks for your call. All right, thank you. Okay, one more. Jerry in Toronto. Hi, Jerry. How are you doing? Fine, how are I, you? I'm good. I think the uh, law firm that's uh, doing the uh, case to make the Uber uh, drivers employees is well-founded. If you take a look at the uh, Toronto Municipal Code Licensing Chapter 546 that deals with, uh, they're called private transportation companies and their drivers, along with uh, taxi drivers and limousine drivers, you'll notice that the UberX drivers, number one, they don't require a city license. The license is issued by Uber. The Uber operator has to give his affidavit of insurance, his police background checks, and his mechanical certificate to Uber, not the city. But the bylaw states that they can only take orders off the Uber platform. They cannot take pickups. They cannot uh, uh, have roof signs that designate that they're available. They cannot do their own orders. They can only do Uber orders. Now, if that doesn't show that they're actually employees because they're dedicated strictly to that one service, what it what does? Okay, Jerry, thank you very much for that. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay, well, there you go. You're getting help with your case, Lior. Uh, we have to wrap things up. What would you like to leave us with? I certainly I'd like to to people understand that this is not necessarily about money. It's easy to think about two hundred two hundred million dollar lawsuit. This is really about recognition that individuals have entitlements and rights. This is really what this class action is all about. Okay. Well, thank you very much for that. And, Lior, I hope you'll keep us up to date on the progress. We know it's going to be slow. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Libby. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.